Hello and welcome, dear friends. I am Nicole Beecham, and this is the Energetic Pathway Podcast, Journey Back to Yourself. I invite you to join me each week as we explore stories, insights, and resources through the lens of vulnerability and authenticity with a little bit of humor along the way. Let's dive into today's topic together. Hello, my loves, and welcome back. I am so glad that you're here today. We're going to be talking about emotional regulation and what to do when you're dysregulated. And this is a topic that is so important to me. It's been a huge uphill at sometimes battle to become more emotionally regulated, especially in the midst of what could be trauma triggers or in situations where I start feeling unsafe or even times when my anxiety is just high and I don't even know the reason behind it. And so this is something that as we start to explore it more, you'll start learning a little bit piece by piece about what is emotional regulation? What does it look like when you are hypo aroused? And what does it look like with your hyper aroused? And we're going to go into those different terms. And then most importantly, what can you do in those moments to help get you closer back to your center, to your core, to your truth, to being able to operate in a way in which you're emotionally regulated and you're responding to things instead of reacting. So before we jump in, I do want us to do a little bit of a grounding exercise today. So if you are able and you're not driving, close your eyes if it feels safe. If it doesn't feel safe for you to do that or something comes up in your body that worries you when you close your eyes, just look off to the floor or on the wall and just have a gentle, relaxed gaze where your eyes become just a little bit blurry. And sink into your body. You can do that with a deep breath in, making sure you feel your belly up. And then exhaling out of your mouth, releasing the tension, the stress, the distractions. And feel free to do that a couple more times if that feels healing for you and resonant. And you can also imagine whether you're standing up or whether you're sitting down that either your feet, if you're standing, are reaching all the way like tree roots into the earth, into the ground, connecting with Mother Nature, with the strength and stability and the structure of those roots holding you to the ground, holding you in for stability, for safety, for comfort. And if you're sitting, you can just imagine that coming out of your spine or out, I guess, what would be your tailbone. Same thing, diving deep into the center of the earth, hooking around the core, relaxing, stabilizing energy. Okay, good. So when we start talking about emotional regulation, I want to definitely put definitions to these words that I'm using because you're going to be familiar with them. We all go through periods of dysregulation and we all have times where it's really hard for us to get back to our center, to get back to our core. So as we jump in, some of the terminology may be a little bit different from what you've heard before, but as you listen, as you internalize it, you'll see that it's all kind of, it's all kind of self-explanatory and you know what it is even if you haven't had these words for it. 
So emotional regulation is a person's ability to effectively respond, which is the key word there, to emotional experiences. So it means that when something comes up, you're able to stay with yourself. You're able to stay within your core truths of knowing who you are. You're able to stay feeling like you're firmly planted on this earth. You're able to stay with a relatively clear mind and observe as more so than react. So observe and then respond instead of reacting to whatever situations rise around you. And a lot of times in my life, this has looked like basically me trying to be the eye of a hurricane. So me trying to be that calmness in the midst of what can be complete chaos around me. And that could be people's emotions. That could be the chaos of just being in a really crowded room and people are running around everywhere, whatever it is, it's being that calm, that calm in that storm, that center. So you pretty much know that you're not regulated when you're outside of what we're going to call the window of tolerance. And I'm going to upload some graphics to help you understand this a little bit better. But basically, if you imagine a scale, like it can be zero to 10, is it's pretty much whatever you want it to be, or it can be um, in the center, and then above you can be hyper, which we'll talk more about later, and below you can be hypo aroused. So it can be a three planes, I guess is the best way to look at that. Maybe like a pyramid, for lack of better ways of putting it. So however you want to look at it, but the way that it works is you have hyper arousal on one end, and that's going to be more your overwhelmed feeling. It can be coming out as anger, stressed, restless, can't sit still energy. And then in the middle, which is where we want to be as much as we can, is our window of tolerance. That's when we're calm. That's when we feel safe. That's when we feel curious. If you're feeling curious about something, that tends to indicate that you're in that window of tolerance. Because in order to be curious, you have to be relatively calm and not be in that fight or flight mode. And then you have hypo arousal on the far other end from the hyper arousal. And that's if you feel disconnected, if you're zoned out, you can't focus, it may be shut down or it may be freeze. You may be frozen and not be able to feel like you can actually do what you need to do. The whole point here is if you're in your window of tolerance, something can happen or you may have a thought or you may have a feeling or an experience. It, it literally could be anything. That takes you outside of that window of tolerance and you find yourself in that hyper aroused. So we'll think of this again, more anxiety, stressed, overwhelmed, or that hypo under, hypo for under, aroused, disconnected, zoned out, shut down, or freeze. And you're wanting to get back into that level of calm. And the reason I like to look at it on like a zero to 10 scale, for example, zero being hypo, under aroused, depressed, shut down, and then 10 being hyper over aroused is if you're trying to get back to that center of a four five and six for example it's important to notice any progress that you make so let's say i am incredibly anxious i'm completely overwhelmed i'm at a nine if i do some of these regulating resources we're going to talk about and i go from a nine to a seven i may not be in my window of tolerance which is a four to six i may not be there but noticing that difference from that nine to seven allows me to get back into my window of tolerance quicker. So it's all about, you're, you typically are not going to pendulum swing from one to the other. 
So it's how do I get myself back into that, that window of tolerance? And what does that look like? So before we talk too much about that, I think I want to explain a couple other things that can like help you determine if you're dysregulated. So what are some signs besides the emotions I've explained a minute ago that may actually show I'm not in my window of tolerance? A lot of times those can be very intense emotions and that can be on either either side of the spectrum. You can be incredibly sad or incredibly angry or incredibly anxious or incredibly stressed, just feeling overwhelming emotions. It can be repetitive thoughts. And those are things where you're having the same thought or the same situation replaying in your head over and over again. You could be replaying a conversation that you've had with someone. You can replay something that you did or something that you said. You could be fixated on what's going to happen in a meeting that you have with your boss coming up. How is it going to go? What is it going to look like? And just replaying those things in your head over and over again. And typically it's going to feel like you don't have control to make them stop. Like it's, it's like those thoughts are spinning out of control. That's definitely a sign that you're dysregulated. And I want to say too, as I'm explaining these, there's no judgment. I've had all of these <laughs> just this week. And I'll even talk to you more about that um, in a little bit. I'm very familiar with what it feels like to be dysregulated. And there's zero judgment. It's just an awareness, awareness of what you're experiencing so that you can accept it. And so you can move back into that window of tolerance. It could also be impulsive behaviors. So I've talked a little bit about this in previous episodes on like a much minor scale where it's like maybe I have a feeling and immediately I'm like, oh, well, I just need to book and go hang out with a friend. I'm not really stopping and getting in touch with myself to figure out what I really need. So that's one example. Impulsive behaviors can also be going out and buying things that you normally wouldn't buy or saying things that you normally wouldn't say or making a quick decision without thinking it through. There's a lot of different impulsive behaviors there. And a lot of times when we hear that, we think immediately some sort of addiction or substance. And that's typically not what we're referring to. It can be part of it, but there's just so many impulsive behaviors that are not substance related at all. Another sign is that you're unaware of your emotions. So if you've been to the place before, which we've all been there, typically when you're hypo aroused, so under aroused, so more on that zero to four side of the scale or zero to three, that's going to be when you're having a hard time distinguishing between your emotions or even being able to express your emotions or even knowing what you're feeling at all. So you are just completely unaware of if someone were to ask you how you are you might be able to say like good fine not good but like you you cannot go deeper like your your mind is not allowing you in that moment to go any deeper so unaware of emotions is another sign that you're dysregulated and the same is very similar to that it's difficulty making decisions if you cannot make a decision and I'm not talking about major life decisions that we all struggle with. Like, should I take this job? Should I leave this job? Or should I marry this person? Should I break up with this person? Whatever. Those are huge decisions that are very hard for most people to make. So this is difficulty making really small decisions that are kind of meaningless. So it may just be you literally cannot decide what you want to have for dinner. And that even the thought of making that decision is too overwhelming for your system. That is a very clear sign to me when this happens. If I cannot make decisions, if everything feels overwhelming, then I'm dysregulated. 
it's just noticing that. And the other thing is avoiding difficult emotions. We can sometimes be like, nope, I'm totally fine. I'm good. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm good. And we're just avoiding the deeper emotions that we know and we can feel to our core is not okay. And that is going to often look like it could be zoning out. It could be, um, you know, binge watching TV or playing video games to check out, or it could be turning to substances to check out, or it could also just be avoiding conversations that you don't want to have because it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult to have those conversations. Anything that has you not being able to admit and recognize how you feel is genuinely going to be a sign that you are outside of your window of tolerance, which means you're dysregulated. So just to recap before we move into the what in the world do you do when this happens, simply put, you have emotional regulation, which is when you're in your window of tolerance, you're within that four to six on a zero to 10 scale, and you're calm, you're curious, you feel safe, you feel protected, you feel loved, you feel like you can accomplish things, you can make decisions. And then you have the hypo under arouse that's your zero to three. That's going to be you being more shut down, zoned out, frozen, lethargic. You don't feel like doing anything, disconnected. You don't feel connected to yourself or to anyone. And then you have that hyper arousal on the exact other end, which is going to be more from the seven to 10. And that's going to be overwhelmed, angry, stressed, restless. You're activated. Your system, your nervous system is activated. And there's a lot of people who talk about these things in different ways. So there's a lot of different, like there's emotional regulation ladders, there's, you know, your nervous system, and there's a lot of technical terms that go into it. All those things exist. This is just the easiest way for me to understand it. So that's how I'm deciding to explain it to you guys. But it's all kind of the same thing. It's just explained in different ways. So let's say you're dysregulated. What? in the hell do you do? What do you do when you don't feel like you can do anything? Or what do you do when you're so anxious that you feel like you're crawling out of your skin and you can't get your mind to stop? We are definitely, definitely, definitely going to talk about that. And at the end of all of it, there's basically two options. There's either self-regulation, which is regulating yourself in your own nervous system. And I'm going to talk with you in just a second about a lot of different ways that you can do that based on what state you are and finding what works for you. And the other option is co-regulation, which is being in the presence of another emotionally stable and regulated person. And the way that it works is it's kind of quantum physics, but ultimately their regulation is energetic and your body can take that in and it can help calm you down. So let me give you an example of that on a way that you can all understand. If my seven-year-old, this actually happened last night, so I'll just use that example. If my seven-year-old is coming completely unglued, she is very upset. She is very mad. I had to put her in timeout, which is a whole different story, which is so rare. Like this child barely gets in trouble for anything because she's just so sweet and so kind. And it's rare that she does something with the intentionality that requires, you know, a timeout. And so I put her in timeout for seven minutes because she's seven. And there's this whole thing where you put them in timeout for however age they are for that many minutes. So I put her in timeout for seven minutes and she was pitching a fit. Like she was losing 
her mind. She was sitting in timeout and since she's a lot like me, she did not get out of it. She just stayed there. But she was crying and screaming and saying that she wanted her mommy. She didn't know where her mommy was, that she didn't want to be in timeout, that she is so, 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 so sorry that she lied to me. Like it was just, it took everything in me to not go in and like run to her rescue and to reassure her. But if I've learned anything in this journey, it's she needs to feel those feelings and then we can talk about them and then we can help calm her down. But she needs to sit with what she's feeling, especially when it's a consequence for some actions that she took um, that were intentional actions that that were hurtful for other people. So after the timer went off, you know, I'm still calm and I'm still regulated. I'm still in my center, in my truth, in my body. I know she's safe. I know we're safe. Like I'm fine. And she comes to me and this is where some parents will start immediately trying to tell the kid to calm down or lecture them on why they were put in timeout. And she can't hear it at that time. Like when we're emotionally dysregulated, especially if we're in, in a trigger or in our trauma, our brain is not activated or online enough to be able to hear that that misdirection. So the first thing I did was sit with her. I let her sit in my lap and I held her. And she's like, you never hold me anymore. And I'm like, okay, I'm literally, literally holding you and you're in my lap all the time. And she's like, no, no, no. I mean, you never stand up and hold me. It's like, cause you're almost as big as I am. I was like, okay. I was like, would you like me to stand up and hold you? And she's like, yes. It's like I stand up, I hold her, wrap my arms around her. I sway with her, you know, calming, nurturing things that I've learned that are helpful. And then she's able to start calming down. So through co-regulation, she, her little heart rate takes in my slower pace, my slower heart rate, and she starts calming down. And then we can have the conversation about, yeah, that lying thing, we're not, we're not going to do that. And this is why, this is why we're not going to lie. But that can't happen until she's calm. And it's the same with us. Sometimes, and I'll share in a little bit later about this. Sometimes there are times when we need co-regulation, period. There are times when we can get so unsettled that we need the help of another to help bring us back down, a help of another safe person that is also calm and that is also regulated and can remind you of who you are, of your truth, of your stability, of your safety. But so that's co-regulation. But for today, we're going to be talking about self-regulation more. So what can you do? Because that is the first step. The first phase, the first plan of action should be you trying to regulate yourself. That does not mean that you should be fighting with that for three or four days. And I'm kind of giggling because I just recently went through that, which is what happens when you're going to record a podcast on emotional regulation and dysregulation like the shit that you haven't dealt with and the gravity of uh, the severity of what emotional regulation slash dysregulation I've actually been experiencing this week it comes up like this is this is what comes up when you're going to record a podcast about it why so that it can be relevant so that I can be in it so that I can express my deepest deepest understanding of the struggle because it can be really difficult and painful but you have to try the self-regulation first and 
don't punish yourself. Don't go three or four days trying to self-regulate yourself before you reach out to the help for some co-regulation. All right, so let's talk about it. So when you are hyper aroused, so again, that's going to be on that seven to 10 level. When you're anxious, you're restless, you're stressed, you're overwhelmed. This is when you're going to want to engage in calming activities. It may be a gentle walk outside where you're just mindfully noticing slow walking every time your foot hits the pavement. It may be a hot bath. It may be some gentle breath work, which we've done a little bit in here on the podcast before, which is breathing in for four, holding your breath for seven, and breathing out, ideally out of your mouth for eight. Doing that a few times can help take you down from a nine to an eight. And again, just like we were talking about earlier, we want to notice the subtle changes. That shift from a nine to an eight is huge progress. It really, truly is. You're getting back towards your window of tolerance. The other thing you can do, and I use this a lot, a lot, a lot when I first started getting back into my body and learning more about what it was like to be in my body and what happens when you get emotionally dysregulated and what happens when triggers come up. And it's noticing the things around you. And that can be various things. You can notice and name five purple things that you see around you. So if I'm doing that right now, I'd look around and I would say, picture, a purple picture. I see a purple feather. I see a purple bag that has a crystal instrument that I have in here. I see a purple canvas. And I see purple on my desktop, like on my laptop that I'm recording on. So the reason we do that as it grounds us here in the present moment, it gives our mind a job, which is really important for it to have a helpful job. It gives our mind a job to do. And the reason I tend to pick purple or pink or a color that's a little bit more difficult to find is because then it takes you a second because you have to keep looking around. It's like, there's got to be another purple thing in here, which you probably picked up on in the recording. I was like, what the last purple thing am I going to see? All oh, right, my desktop right in front of me. So that's something that can be helpful. And you can do the same thing with smells or with textures. Name five things that are smooth, but it's important that you name them. And if you're around other people, name them in your head, but name them. This is very akin to meditation. And then sometimes when you're hyper aroused, you may need to get that energy out of you. That may look like working out or weightlifting. And there's this thing um, that's also helpful I kind of giggle as I start to even talk about it because the first time I did it, I was like, what is this? But it's called shake therapy. And I will put that video. Yeah, I'll put that video in the show note. It's not of me, but it's a video of this lady who's like walking you through a shake therapy exercise. And it just allows you to like shake out the tension and the trauma and the energy that is in you. It allows it to move and Working out can also help with that. Weightlifting can help with that. Uh, boxing, if that's something that you enjoy, can help with that. Or running, like whatever you need to get that energy out. But you're going to need to make a list for yourself. So those are just some options that I found and I've heard that others have used to help them move from hyperarousal more down toward the calm state. Now, on the other side of things, if you're hypoaroused, you don't feel like doing anything, you're in that depressed or frozen or lethargic mindset, then this is when you want to do a little bit more gentle 
motions. That's typically not when you're going to want to go work out. I mean, you can if you can get yourself to do it. Great. Awesome. It probably will help. But a lot of times that's too big of an ask for our body and for our system. We don't feel like moving, let alone working out. So when that happens, try gentle movements, stretching, yoga, going outside, and very slowly just walking. And again, when you're doing that, notice. Notice the breeze. Notice the sun on your body, the warmth of the sun. Notice your feet as they touch the pavement. You're just noticing. You're getting back into your body and reminding your body you're here, you're safe, you're calm. This can also be done with mindful eating or drinking. So I really, (laughs) I'm not very mindful in my eating. So a lot of times I have found, this is not a good idea, don't do this, but I found that I eat on the go a lot. And so my coaches, my nutritionists, everyone is encouraging me, slow down, sit down, eat. And I've been doing that a lot more lately and it helps so much. But I try to do just one mindful bite every meal. And one of my coaches taught me that. So when I sit down and my food arrives at the table, letting myself also mentally, physically arrive at the table and at least having that first bite be intentional. Intentionality with your bite. If you like to drink coffee or tea or hot chocolate, just be intentional. Be mindful about that, that sip. Enjoy it. Put a piece of peppermint or a piece of chocolate in your mouth and just savor the taste. Let it sit on your tongue and enjoy the taste of that chocolate or that peppermint. These things are really small, but they can seriously help get you back towards that window of tolerance. And the thing I also want to mention here is talking to a friend, talking to a family member, talking to a therapist. If you're in a state where you are lethargic and you don't feel like you can do anything, like, yes, take 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a couple of hours to just lay and do nothing. Give your body what it wants, but then choose something mindful. A conversation with a friend, a walk outside, mindful eating or drinking. Again, whatever serves you and your body, you're going to have to make your own list. So the key, just like we've talked about before, is asking your body what you need listening, the slowing down, listening, and then act. And I would honestly recommend you just create a list, a list of things, activities, because sometimes you're going to be so hyper or hypo aroused that you're not going to know what in the hell to do. And being able to just pull out a piece of paper and start going down the list of I'll try this. Oh, let's see if that moves the needle any. It didn't. Okay. What's next on the list? I'll try this. And you just go through the list. And there have been days when I've had to do this, where I've spent all day going through lists just to get myself back towards centered. So now I want to share a little bit about my experience with emotional dysregulation. And I lived dysregulated seriously for the first hot minute in my healing journey. So I had a lot of childhood trauma and some trauma from adulthood. And I just realized I had disassociated so much. I checked out so much that I wasn't in my body. And I've shared a little bit about that before. And so when I got back into my body, it was like, oh my gosh, what the hell am I doing? What are all these feelings? What are all these emotions? What is all this energy? 
and I was frequently triggered by the smallest things. I would have flashbacks, like literally my body would react to something. And it was like, I was flashback to my childhood or an experience in my childhood that I didn't even realize I was being flashed back to. Um, a lot of rumination, rumination on what I could have done differently to prevent the dysregulation, rumination on, well, should I try to get on a different anxiety medication or should I try this therapeutic modality? Or is this person upset with me because I haven't heard from them in a few days? Just so many things that are just relentless. Like it is absolutely relentless. And that's the thing about dysregulation is it's so hard. And it was such a battle for me for so long, like for so long. And as I mentioned earlier, it came back up again this week, which it doesn't surprise me because of the way that God, the universe works is when I'm going to record something on emotional regulation and dysregulation. What better way to do that than to, it had been a recent experience. And honestly, it's been a while since I felt this dysregulated and it's a Monday and all weekend I was struggling, like super struggling. And half of last week I was struggling and half of the day I was struggling. And I finally like got to the point where I was doing everything I needed to do. Like, like, okay, yes, I'm going to see my therapist tomorrow. Great. Um, I'm going to try doing some dancing or shake therapy. Tried that. Great. And move the needle a little bit. Okay. I'm going to try to go outside and walk and just feel my feet touching the ground. All right. Great. And I did everything on my list. And I would get a little bit regulated and then I'd fly back into dysregulation. And then I would do more things on my list and get a little regulated and fly back into dysregulation all weekend. It was fucking miserable, if I'm honest with you. Like, absolutely was not fun. Did not enjoy it. Very painful. Very, very hard. And um, I had to get to the point where I realized like, yeah. I need help co-regulating. And there's a lot that comes up for me personally around that. And I'll speak to that for, for a second, just in case anyone else resonates with it. So there are a lot of times where it's hard for me to reach out to allow others to help regulate me. And there's a lot of reasons for this. One is I am so far along now at this point on my healing journey that a lot of people in my immediate access and my immediate network of of peers and and friends and stuff, they're not, they're not, haven't done the same work that I've done. And so the amount of co-regulation they can give me is insanely helpful. It's very helpful. It can be very grounding. It can be very soothing, but sometimes it can't give me the answers that my nervous system needs. Things like this will pass. It will pass. What you're feeling will pass. Or the understanding of like, there's a lot of energy in the world right now that's moving and being an empath, I'm picking up on that. There's a lot of people in my life around me that are going through so much stuff. And it's so hard for me to like flock out that energy and not take it on myself. And I ended up getting onto the phone earlier today and I felt so bad. I was reaching out to my healer um, that's in Canada. And today, today is Canadian Thanksgiving, which... I, I knew that from another friend who I was chatting with earlier um, online anyways, but I reached out to my coach in Canada and I was like, all right, I'm like really struggling. I've been crawling out of my skin since Saturday. Anything I'm doing to halfway get me grounded, I spiral again. Like I can't freaking do this. Like I'm struggling. Do you have time for a call? 
And then like an hour later, I was like, oh shit, it's Canadian Thanksgiving. And I immediately text her back and I was like, hey, just kidding. Did not realize it was Canadian Thanksgiving. Don't worry about it. And then about a couple hours later, like I, you know, I'm keep using my resources. I'm still struggling like crazy here, but keep using my resources. My next resource, my next resource, try to focus on work to my next resource. And she texts back and she was like, hi, I actually do have 10 minutes. Um, would now be a good time for us to talk? And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I was so tempted. I was so tempted to say no. I was so tempted to be like, no, seriously, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to be a burden. Like, please carry on with your with your holiday. I'm so sorry I reached out, but I was like, dude, I'm just going to be real. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I would love a 10-minute call. If you have time for that, that would be fantastic. And I just got through doing some microcurrent feedback, so I'm feeling a little bit better right now. Like, I'm okay. Like, if if you can't talk, it's okay. I'm okay. But yes, I would actually love it. And she called me, and that was the most life-giving conversation that I had today that I needed so deeply and like so deeply. And it was just such a reminder of how we do need to be co-regulated. We cannot do this all by ourselves. We are not designed to do this all by ourselves. And yes, we learn more and more and more, right? How to regulate ourselves. And thankfully I've learned so much more about how to regulate myself that I don't need to reach out to people hardly at all anymore is very infrequent compared to what it used to be when it used to be multiple times a day every day in the beginning of my journey. And as a result, I'm able to help my daughter co-regulate. I'm able to help my friends co-regulate when they need to co-regulate. But that reaching out and being able to sit with her and to hear her and like, I'll, I'll just be honest about like what she was telling me that I didn't even know I needed to hear. She was telling me that she's here. Over and over again, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You're loved. You're loved. You're safe. I've got you. I've got you. You're safe. And those are things she was telling me. So I can tell the little girl inside of me that was anxious and freaking out and panicked. Those same things. She was modeling for me what I can then take in to tell myself. Co-regulation is so important and it's not something to feel shameful about. And if you're around a lot of people that don't know how to help you, which is something that I've been around a lot, like a lot, a lot, then you first have to figure out some of the things that help yourself so that you can then tell them what may help you. And you only need one person to help you do this. That's a beautiful thing and something that she reminded me because I was like, but I don't have a lot of people that know how to do this. And I didn't want to bother you on your Thanksgiving. And she's like, you're not a burden. Like, you're not a burden. I'm here for you. And you only need one person. That's it. You just need that one person. And that's what we all needed growing up. And for those of us who didn't have that, that one person who could hold space and was regulated enough themselves to be regulated for you. This work is hard. It can be brutal. It can be like agony. Like earlier today I was in tears and I was like, I just want it to go away, which by the way, doesn't help. (laughs) We'll talk more about that. Just wishing it away doesn't do any good. But I share that to say, I still get dysregulated, it's, but it's less often. And I can get back into my window of tolerance in general this week, being an aside, quicker 
but you also have to know when it's time to reach out to get somebody else to help regulate you. And now it looks like patience with myself, knowing that the feeling is going to pass. It may not pass immediately, which is what I want, but it will pass. Everything does. Everything moves. Everything's energy. It moves. Acceptance of what I'm feeling so that it can move through me. If I'm resisting it, it's going to persist. If I'm rejecting it, it's going to stay. If I'm saying this anxiety is driving me crazy, please go the hell away. That's going to make it worse, not better. But if I say, I see you, I see that a part of me is anxious. I hear you. I love you. I see you. You're safe with me. Feel what you need to feel. Let it move out of you. Let it move out of the pores of our skin. I release it. I'm releasing it. It can go. I see it and it can go. And being very, very, very gentle with myself and nurturing of myself. So especially in the beginning days, I think I've shared this before on previous episodes, I would get in my hammock with a weighted blanket and a stuffed animal and I would curl up in the fetal position. I would just let myself feel. Like you just have to be patient with yourself. Like this is stuff, a lot of stuff to move through that you've probably been holding on for most of your life because we don't really live in a society in general that it encourages you to express how you're feeling. Instead, it's shut down. And so it's very important, especially if you weren't allowed to feel or if you're a male in our society, you've probably been in a lot of situations where you've been told not to feel what you feel or it's not manly to feel what you feel. And that's just a bunch of bullshit. And then the other thing is asking for what you need. And that's something that I've had to learn as well. Is like, not only is what I need okay, but it's okay for me to ask for what I need. It's totally okay for me to ask for what I need. And that other person may not be able to give it. They may have to say no. And I may need to go ask someone else. But what I need is okay. It is okay and it's good and it's right. So as we go to wrap up this conversation, we're going to have two episodes coming up where Brock and I are going to share more about it. But I want to talk a little bit about like what you can do to get started with emotional regulation and what you can do when you start to feel dysregulated to try to get back into that window of tolerance. One of the first things is naming the emotion. Go back to the emotion wheel from the previous episodes and I'll put that back in here as well. Name your emotions. What do you feel? Where do you feel it in your body? Validate that emotion. Validate it. It makes sense that you would feel that way based on your past, based on what you've been through. It makes sense. Man, you haven't eaten much today. It makes sense that you're getting angry. Identify the trigger if possible. And that's just, it's helpful to know what triggered it so that you can speak truths to it, be gentle, be kind. And then before you do any of the regulating activities, which again, make a list of all the options for you. Before you do those, try to figure out where you are on that zero to 10 scale. If you're at a nine, 10, you're crawling out of your skin, notice that. And then do your regulating activities and then come back. And you'll notice almost always, literally almost always, you'll tend to shift down a little bit. It may just be from a 10 to a nine or from nine to an eight. Those shifts are so important. Notice, recognize, appreciate any shift, even the small ones, because over time, over the next several hours, you'll shift more and more because it takes time for our nervous system to return to safe. Sometimes it just takes time. 
And the more we get stressed out or worked up about it, the longer it's going to take us to get back there. And the other thing I want to leave you with on this section is you're not looking for perfection. You're looking for progress. There are times when you're going to do a regulating resource and it's going to take you all the way back to your window of tolerance. And I will just tell you that doesn't happen all the time. And that's even not probably what happens frequently. Frequently for me, most often, more often than not, I have to do two or three things just to start moving my numbers down. And sometimes after the second or third things, I'm back in my window of tolerance. And sometimes I'm not. And it requires patience, patience, patience. It's a process. You're looking for slow progress in the right direction. You're not looking for perfection. So that is all today for our episode on understanding emotional regulation and dysregulation. Make sure you check out the show notes. I'm going to put several, several things in there that have just been so helpful for me. And just a reminder to make a list, make a list of regulating resources and have that list to go to. I kept mine on my phone, so I would always know where I needed to go in order to try to get back into that window of tolerance. That's all for today. Next week, Brock and I will share more about our experiences with emotional dysregulation. And as always, please do not forget to subscribe to the Energetic Pathway podcast on your favorite podcast player and feel free to share this episode with your friends as well or your family members or anyone who you think may be able to benefit. Have a really beautiful rest of your day.